Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, you guys, welcome to this week's edition of the Temple of Hoop podcast. I'm your host, Coach Mabel, a.k.a. Coach a.k.a. Mabes here with my boy, as always, Kings. What's going on with you, man? Man, busy, 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 but, you know, just enjoying it. The last few games of the year, man, some good ones. Some good ones. Yeah, so it was too, you know, due to the the long wait in between games. We only, you know, had two games. Uh the Bucks won both. It's getting kind of hectic. Like somebody on the what'd you say? Does it does the series doesn't start until a team loses on the road? Yes, sir. Finally you know what it is. Uh got one up three two. Got a chance to close it out Tuesday at the house in front of everybody. Uh, like you said, Giannis is one win away from glory. <laughs> yes, sir, man. Hey. Um, yeah, let, let let's break this down. Start from the top, man. From let's let's start on the on the Bucks side. Well, how do you think they got that done in, in Game Five? Well, I mean, I mean, Maples it goes back to what I was telling you after Game Two. I said, you know, like you should not be moved by that loss. <laughs> you know, what I mean, I t- I told everybody I was not I was not moved at all because, you know, the Bucks. You know, you saw Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton smirking. You know, people had some <laughs> backlash to that. But, you know, in, in their mind, it's like, man, we play like trash. And we still we still almost win this game. You know, despite Book going crazy and all this other stuff, it's like, damn, we still almost win this game. We play like trash. So it's like for them, when, when, when they think about that, it's like, man, when we go back home and we get the crowd on us on our side, you know what I mean? Like our own players are obviously going to play better. So, you know, you go to game three, Giannis has a big game. Uh, they dominate, you know what I mean? They just, they they dominate, I think was a game three that they dominated uh, one by 20, right? They 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 had a big game three win, uh, you know, cleaned that, cleaned that up, shut down book. Then game four, I told you, man, I was like, hey, they dominated game three, but, you know, Chris Middleton, he didn't really have a big game. You know what I mean? So I said Chris Middleton was due for his home explosion. And what you you know, what you know, 40 points at home game four. So, you know, Bucks took care of business. Big game, big uh, home win. That's usually penciled in for every good home team in the series. Then you had the role players show up and have a big game. Your second star show up at home was Chris Middleton. They won game four. So then it became the real test, right? The real test was game five. Game five is the real test. Series restarts. It's, you know, whose stars are going to show up, whose players are going to make the big plays in a must-win game five. And it was Drew Holiday's time. Finally, after all the stinkers on offense, he came with it in game five when his team needed him the most. Big buckets, big steal when it was a one-point game to a big alley-oop to Giannis. Giannis and Drew and Chris Milton all had big games on the road. That was that was just a big performance by the top three from the Bucks. I mean, that's why you paid them the money. Right. They all show three two. They won game away. That's all you can say. Yeah, I think the big stat for that game is Giannis, Chris, and Drew scored or assisted on one hundred and fifteen of the one hundred twenty three points. I mean, that mm-hmm. that's just high level big three play. It doesn't get much much better than that. Uh, I think we both had the same kind of similar sentiment. I think we felt like if either Drew or Chris had a good game, it was really going to favor Milwaukee in that that instance. And if they both played well, the Suns really didn't have a chance. Even though this game was close, I just think it's too much. If you got all three of those guys playing well, the Suns don't have enough at the – just with with their their roster set up 
at this point in time. Um, let's talk on the sun side now. So the story, obviously, for me, in my opinion, I'll let you chime in on this, is towards the end of game two, the Bucks completely shifted how they were guarding Chris Paul. It was a deep drop for most part, switching him on these bigger, slower guys, and he was just kind of having his way in the mid-range. They got really aggressive with having the guards fight through, particularly Drew, uh, making his life a, uh, a living hell over the past three games. And it's just been real rough without Devin, without Devin Booker on the floor. Yeah. Right. So how do you, what is the, I think it was crazy. It was a plus 12 with him and then a minus 16 without, it was just crazy. The minutes that he's the, the way that they play offense without him on the floor, just nobody can, you know, compromise the defense via penetration. If he's not on the floor, especially uh, like we both noted, the Bucks stopped giving Chris Paul the mismatches he wanted in, in on these switches. So it's been real. It's been hell pretty much trying to get Chris Paul, you know, he's age 36, not the same burst. So his, Penetration is kind of, you know, relying upon getting a slower guy on him, right? To compromise right. The defense or getting the score. He's not, he hasn't been able to do that. So I think that's what's really been the, the, the main thing. So they've been in hell without Booker on the court. Um, what are you seeing on the Phoenix side? Yeah, man, I think, you know, that penetration situation was not an issue because for, uh, you know, two rounds and two games, campaign played like out of his mind. Ah, so, yeah, good point, good you point. Know, you know, so for two rounds and two games, campaign was playing out of his mind, was unstoppable going to the rim. But, you know, like uh, like many of us have said, the Bucks are a good defensive team. Uh, even without uh, Dante, they they have the bodies to play a half-court defense in the, in the playoffs, and they've been making a health with uh, with their size and length. Remember, I told you the, the size and length of the Bucks would be a problem for teams. I mean, uh, with Giannis and then with Brooke and then with Bobby, that's a problem for uh, these guards trying to finish at the rim, especially with the style of defense that they play. If you're not hitting your mid-range shots, you know, you're just not going to beat them. You know what I mean? They're going to live with you uh, hitting tough jumpers. Like uh, I think Robel was talking about, that's just the Bucks defense is, you know, we're not going to give up anything easy. You're going to have to prove to us you can shoot, you can shoot us out the game. Uh, You know, KD almost did it. uh, Book is having great games because he's catching fire. There's just not enough with just one guy doing it. You need co- co- uh, coherent offense. You need to also be able to win on the glass. The Suns are not winning on the glass because all they have is Aiden Sark. Injuries hurting them in terms of size, having a body box out. And, uh, and you know, it, it, they're just not having enough half-court scores. I mean, the, the Bucks are living – the Bucks play Kevin Durant. You know, I mean, they outlasted Kevin Durant and whatever help he had with him, whether it was Kyrie for like three games, for three and uh, was it three and a half games, or it was James Harden, whatever was left of him, you know, for the last uh, game five to game seven, I believe. So, you know, I mean, it's it, it was one of those things where the Bucks are like, look, we've already outlasted the best score in the NBA. Right. <laughs> Devin Booker you know, can outscore Kevin Durant and beat us, God bless him. You guys deserve <laughs> championship. But, you know what I mean? But their their idea was like, look, we're going to have to make – we're going to make Devin Booker work for every bucket he wants to get. He's going to have to hit tough shots. He's going to have to score all of them. And he's going to have to be in a slow, grind-out game where every possession matters. So if you're not boxing out, you're giving up offensive rebounds. You know what I mean? Your legs are getting tired because you have to fight through physicality from Giannis to Brooke. To, to Chris Milton attacking the rim, to Drew attacking your guards. If you can't last, that war of attrition is going to be bad for you the longer the series goes on, regardless of how good your star is playing. So they're really just wearing down the others in Phoenix. And Book is scoring. But you can see as it gets down, you know, towards the end of the game, that fatigue starts setting yep, in. Yep, yep. Same thing you saw with KD. It's the same situation. The fatigue starts setting in, and next thing you know, you're making head scratcher choices. You know, so it's a buck style, man. It's it, it's, <laughs> it's it's fools go during the over the course of the game because you think it's everything's going fine. Then when you get to the end of the game and your legs is shot, and then you have Giannis, he's not stopping his high motor. You have Burke or Bobby, or you know what I mean, in there for some of that fourth quarter, and it's like, damn, you know, I have to box out these guys. 
And then you have Chris and Drew attacking you because they're physical players, especially Drew Holiday attacking the guards. It's like, man, I can't even get a break as a guard. This guy's trying to post me up. You know what I mean? So it's right, like, right. It's, yeah, man. Not, it's not giving breaks. Yeah, that was um, the big thing for me is this game because all series long, you know, the Suns have dominated the non-Giannis minutes, right? So they're up 16. Yep. Giannis has to take his break. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, this might get ugly. We might just have to pick part of the game six. Uh, Drew and Portis put on a master class in the second quarter, fight to get him back. And that's when I was like, okay, the Suns are in trouble because mm-hmm. they've been basically been surviving, you know, not being able to do anything with Giannis, right? And just eating in the, you know, five, six, seven minutes, you know, he sits in the game and then that's that's been their recipe, you know, for winning. Um that second quarter stretch, you know, whether that book was also off the floor in the time that they lost, you know, they lost the lead. That was the big, you know, the big fight after the game amongst, you know, when addressing fault. You know, I just I just think the Bucks maybe just be a better team. We both picked the Bucks in this series. Yes. Um so when that second quarter, like what went wrong for Phoenix to you in my you know, when you had the opportunity to deliver a kill shot with Giannis on the bench. Uh, it's like I said, man, it's just <laughs> they make every when Chris Paul has the ball in his hands and he's doing that half course style, just makes every possession that much more exponentially important. So if you're not boxing out, if you're not doing the little things correctly, you know what I mean? You're giving your other opponent second chance buckets. You know what I'm saying? You're not executing. Chris Paul's not beating his man. He's turning the ball over. It's just not good. It's just a recipe for disaster. You know what I mean? Because you're not getting the possessions to make it up. So if if you if you don't execute and the other team executes, all of a sudden, you know, the advantage you were supposedly supposed to have doesn't exist anymore. Right. And now next to you know Giannis is coming back and they were on the run when he was off. So it's like that Chris Paul ball, man. Uh, caught up to him. That's that's really how it is. That's a good segue. So let's talk about Chris Paul. He was phenomenal first two games in this series. Uh, right. Clear runner or what runner for, you know, early finals MVP, you know, da da da. To Bud's credit, uh you've given Bud credit. I've given Bud credit. Um based on adjustments with how he's guarding him, not letting him run away from the tougher mismatches and making making life hell. Um how are you evaluating him in this series? And, you know, what kind of, what does he need to do to give them more of a chance to win in game six and push it to a game seven? Man. <laughs> they need to they need to make Aiden their second best score, man. That was my that's my answer. That's why I was going. Aiden I wanted to ask to, you. He ha it has to be Aiden and Book. They have to live and die by Aiden and Book, man. That's just really what it come down to. If if that's the only that's the only shot that they have, you know what I mean. If they, if they can't if they can't get Aiden and Book going, they're in trouble because Chris Paul's too small. He's too small, can't beat his man, and he's and, and you know what I mean he's more of a, a table setter at this point. He's not a guy who's gonna finish games unless you know he's he hasn't exerted himself throughout the game. You know what I mean? So if he's trying to exert himself to score throughout the game, it's going to be difficult for him to try and close. You know what I mean? If he's, right. if he's exerting energy trying to score. So he has to lean on Aiden. He has to lean on Book. And then when it's time in the fourth quarter, he he has to come up and be like, all right, Aiden, you know, I'm going to help Book try to close this out, try and create in this mid-range and make our offense, you know, that much more better. But Right, right. And Yeah. And where are you with Aiden this series? Because it feels like, you know – Honestly, he's again another twenty and ten game. I just feel like I'm kind of with you. There has to be more of a concerted effort. He's honestly their, you know, that's their most second most efficient score as far as you know ease of getting looks. But you know they'll get switches and they don't even look to kind of throw the ball in there. Like uh, you know, Holiday six four, they won't throw it to him. They even had you know Middleton on them down there some a couple times when they switch. They won't throw it down there. So. Where are you with Aiden? I feel like they, they're kind of using him like, you know, prime DeAndre Jordan, you know, rim run, lobs. Right. And I feel like he has a, so much more use uh, usefulness than that. 
And I, and I wonder why yeah. that hasn't been unlocked. And honestly, it's, it's, it's at a point of necessity now because, you know, half-court offense is such a struggle, you know, for them. If, if you know, they're not getting crazy, you know, a crazy high three-point volume. I think the bust of the Bucks have done mostly, you know, the Suns shot very well from three, but the volume wasn't at a killer rate. You know what I'm saying? So it's not because of the way they play defense. They see that mid-range more than a three-point line. So yeah. I think, yeah, I, I think the volume's down. So they got to find a way to get more efficient, you know, two-point looks, which is the layup, right, or close to the basket. And I think that's where Aiden comes in, and they're, they're kind of missing the boat with giving getting him more involved. So that's kind of yeah, why. They're not, they're not trying to utilize his uh, his touch right. and his, his footwork. I mean, they have to – they have to trust that th- their number one pick in year three after showing the leaps that he's made can help win them a championship. Right. <laughs> That's just basically what it comes down to, man. You have to let your guy go win you the game. If you can't trust him to go win you the game and you're going to play scared, well, you're going to live with those results. Right. And last thing on Phoenix, let, let, let's talk about book, you know, um, We've both been positive, you know, most positive guys, and we, we, we think he's the best player on the team. Um, With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So a lot of the noise about last night was, you know, is his play style really, quote unquote, helping them win at at this point in time? You know, he's 40 points over uh, on 52 percent shooting the last two games. You know what yeah. they're going to uh, people have been critical of the quote unquote, you know, shot hunting, saying it's taken away from the Phoenix offense and, you know, taken away from the, you know, the team concept and ultimately, you know, doing more harm than good. Uh, where are you with that whole you know, talking point. When you're playing Chris Paul ball, somebody got to score <laughs> more than not. Like somebody has to do it. I mean, you, they're mad at him, but it's like, like, what else do you want? Uh, do you want Chris Paul assist hunting because he can't beat his man off the dribble? I mean, he's the reason why these games are close because he's making the Chris Paul ball effective because he's actually scoring. So, you know, the, you're trying to find a reason to hit on what Buck's doing offensively while ignoring what Chris Paul is, is, is having them play like, you're you're just missing the big picture here. I don't know what it is you're watching, honestly. I don't know what you're, you're assessing. You're using the narrative of Chris Paul to blind you from what's actually going on. And this isn't to say Chris Paul isn't important. Like I said, he's a great table setter. He can get guys like Cam Johnson going, get guys like Bridges going. But when he tries to hijack the offense and tries to play Luka, Harden, Brown Ball, it's like, bro, those guys can get 30 on any Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you can't do that. <laughs> so that becomes a problem for the team. So somebody has to go get the 30. And that's what Devin Booker is trying to do. So – why I don't get why people are mad. Somebody has to do it. <laughs> right. So I think they just, they, they're kind of dead in the water. Book is not doing what he's doing. I'm really interested to see, you know, how that goes on Tuesday. Um, who we'll see, man. Uh, Monty got his work cut out for him, trying to get some, uh, some easier O in playing better D, really, because the issue we haven't really touched on is, you know, Chris Paul may be hurt, hurting defensively more than he is offensively, to, to be honest. Oh, uh, yeah. They are specifically targeting him as just, you know, he's too, you know, not strong enough for Drew. Chris is shooting is him like shooting over a chair. 
And then on the pick and roll, you know, his weak side help against Giannis is non-existent because he's what five eleven, six feet. So it's just oh, a yeah. finish for so it's just real tough for him on that end, you know, more than anything. So you know, that's also something that, that Monty will have to, you know, address and figure out. It's just tough, man. Um, it's it's not picking on Chris Paul's as when when smaller guards get older, it's hard to, you know, deeper in the playoffs, it's hard to, you know, rely on those guys. It's just such a absolute athletic uh, athleticism and, and size, you know, advantage based game. So it, it kind of is what it is. We'll see what happens, man. You know, I, I I'm not, you know, I don't want the season to end. I, I'm, I'm loving these finals. You know, very competitive, highly contested. The basketball is getting get, getting better as the series goes on. I would love to Absolutely. see it go seven, but. I just I, I I don't see it going seven uh, based on the on the trajectory unless you can get a, a supernova Mike Mikael Bridges or Aiden game to to help you know help Booker and Chris Paul along. Moving on to kind of the topic of the hour for me. So obviously, uh, Giannis again, outstanding numbers, right? Thirty two to me, I just thirty ten, thirty two and thirteen. I looked like he didn't play that great to me. Uh, and he still yeah. had 32. I think that is the true mark of his greatness. I was like, uh, 14 for 23 for 32 game, 32 points. And you're like, well, okay. Like if that's pedestrian to you. That shows the level that he's playing at currently. Man, 30 is <laughs> expected at this point, right. man. So they've shown us that nobody since 1955 has averaged over 30 and 14 on 60% shooting in the NBA finals. No, nobody, not one player, right? That, that, that was an actual stat of uh, the last three games. He's got 99 points, 20 assists and only two turnovers. So I guess it's getting a little ridiculous, you know, how, how well he's playing just from a, a, a floor game standpoint that we haven't seen from him. Like he's, you know, out of control. We've seen out of control stuff. And the turnovers on charges and throwing the ball away or losing the ball hasn't happened three games. Two turnovers last three games, 99 points, 20 assists, two turnovers the last two games. He's he's figuring it all out, man. Right. So, obviously, you know, you got to do this, you know, whole Giannis first bag Twitter, you know, discussion about how quote-unquote entertaining he is, you know, the, the buzzword, skilled, quote unquote. Um just where are you with this discourse as far as the reaction to Giannis because I feel like people have always been able to lean on saying, well, he lost and he lost because he's not skilled. And that's always been, you know, mm-hmm. the crutch for that. And now that that is at an end, it's kind of, you know, releasing some silly discourse as far as, you know, us being slave to to aesthetics above production in basketball. It's it's bad. It's bad right now. Yes, yeah, right. it's this is really bad right now. It's really bad. I, I don't I don't know how we got to this point. Honestly, like it, it's just super bad. I think where you I think where the like the the starting point like the big bang of it was, you know, when Brian was clearly asserting himself as a dominant force in the right. NBA. The response from you know quote unquote Pierce was detractors, right? Right, right. It's like is he not really you know he's not that skilled? When obviously the IQ, the passing, you know what I'm saying? Like those are high level skills. Running offense, and on top of that, and, he's able to get you know thirty efficiently when needed. So and the, it was just blatant, and it was just blatant. Like it, the, it's so exaggerated with Giannis because Giannis at times actually just it doesn't look good. I mean, Brian has those moments, but it's, it's not as much as often as Giannis. Like it was, it's just it was just blatant lies with like LeBron. Like LeBron right. would go into games hitting fadeaways, hitting post turnarounds. You know, uh, I, I was watching some of these 2016 Finals highlights. I mean, he was going behind the back, driving to the rim, finishing through traffic, making freak athletic plays, but while having super crazy control of the ball. I'm just like, like people were literally just lying with LeBron. So if you take what happened with LeBron, right, who was actually a very skilled player, you take what people say with LeBron and exaggerate him because he's not as super refined as a Jordan or Kobe or Akeem, who obviously they're not as uh, cerebral or as physically gifted as LeBron, so they comp- compensate more. So, well, not maybe not Akeem, but you know, more so Jordan and Kobe, who were they? Yeah, they were great athletes, especially Jordan. Jordan was a supreme athlete, but in terms of physically imposing, in terms of strength-wise, right? Right, right, right. I got you. They weren't that strong like Bron, 
you know what I mean? So like, obviously they have to make up for that with more refined footwork because they didn't have the power to go with the speed and athleticism like Bron did. And they did also didn't have the cerebral approach to, uh, to create scoring lanes with your, with your passing like Bron did because Bron's one of the best passers you've ever seen in the game. So they made up for that, right, with their counters, their handles, their footworks to say, okay, we can't beat you with playmaking and with power, but we can beat you with, with just pure you know, footwork and with moves. You know what I mean? So, yeah, those guys are the supreme when it comes to move set, move set, right? They have like all the moves when it comes to scoring wise. But Brian had a good set of moves, and then you go to Giannis. Giannis has some type of moves. He has a euro step, which is very liable. He has spin move, which is very liable. He can. He's at, he's added a turnaround shot this year. He's yes. added a turnaround. The one legged fadeaway. One leg fadeaway, and he also has some sort of a pull up game this year. So he's actually adding to the foundation he already had. To be able to do that at his size, at his speed, that's why he's able to score so much. Because <laughs> it's, he has the strength, he has the explosion, he has the athleticism, but he also has the touch. He also has the agility to avoid defenders when he's going into the rim. And he's showing the ability to do to, to, to score around the painted area, the two-point area. He's understanding that I don't need a three-point shot to have versatile scoring. I can get it from the pull-up. In the mid range, I can get it from the 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 post area. I can get it from, you know, the the fadeaway. I don't need the three point shot. That's not consistent enough, right? You know, to to get me scoring thirty. What's going to get me scoring thirty is, is making my variation of scoring go up. Because now that I have all these type of moves, they have to respect that, and that opens up his driving. Now his drive, he has more driving lanes because they have to understand that. Oh yeah, this guy can get to a pull up. Uh, I have to be cautious of that. And now people are, you know, hesitating to give him too much space. Some, when he tries to do a, a hezzy pull-up, some guys try to play up, and then he uses that crease to go right by him to the rim. So, he's, he's he, hey, he has skill, man. It's, maybe it's not as skilled as Bron, but he what he lacks with the skill of Bron, he has more size than Bron did. So, he's more of a big. So, he's able to, to really punish people inside. So, and, and he has a decent skill set. So, it's like I said, like, it went from a completely just lying with LeBron. So now you see a guy with Giannis who does have some deficiency he has to work up, and now it's just like he has no skill to them. Like he has none. Right. <laughs> like is they like every they've gone to the extreme with every single physically gifted player. It's like, bro, is this not athletics? Yes. Right. <laughs> right. This is athletics. Every single athletic football, soccer, football. Tennis, even golf. If you have, you know, what I mean, if you have, you have good uh, uh, lower body strength on on your swings. You know what I'm saying? On your golf, on your golfing swings, baseball. You know what I mean? Track. It doesn't matter, bro. This is athletics. In athletics, athletics <laughs> matters. Like, hello, like, what the hell, bro? We're not doing. We're not playing chess. You know what I mean? This is right. checkers. And, and the wild one to me is, you know, talking about well, Middleton is the closer, and I'm like. Okay, so you guys watched Shaquille O'Neal go through, you know, three all-world guards. You know, Penny got hurt before he could reach his Hall of Fame status. Kobe's obviously, uh, you know, second-best shooting guard ever. And then Dwayne Wade later when he was flash. Shaq wasn't closing those games, but we all understood that he was the dominant force. We had, like That was never a question. So when I hear these, these Middleton is really the finals MVP, Middleton's the best player, it was like it comes off kind of wild to me. I was like, like y'all don't remember the the history lesson we got, like this millennium and, and, from Shaq. And, and, I, and what's I, people's definition? What's people's definition of closing games? Because I'm looking at the Giants points in the fourth. Yeah, he has some. He he's he's one of the leading scorers in the fourth this playoffs. So it's your definition of closing that the guy who's a better ball handler brings up the ball, and all of a sudden he's the closer because he's bringing up the ball and he's creating from the perimeter. Giannis is scoring on the inside or scoring off that guy as if he's not helping that guy get easier looks with his gravity. That's like me telling me that Vernon Maxwell closer to Hakeem Olajuwon because Hakeem Olajuwon didn't bring the ball up right, the night before. <laughs> what logic does that make? Right. And that, 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 like, that was why I was like, if you dominate, you know, 80% of a game and a guy makes the winning shot, it's like, you know, we, we got to have more nuanced conversation about, you know, closing and getting guys there and understanding what the defense is giving you, but you know, uh, unfortunately, agendas lead a lot of this discussion. Uh, that kind of leads me to 
this has always been weird to me. Like, you know, you notice things, you know, being on Twitter a lot. And, you know, when certain guys have successes, they'll have, you know, players, you know, say some things, whatever. Um, that's not what moves me. It's whatever. It's the amount of negativity that Giannis seems to get from his, you know, right. his his co-players around the league who I remember the, uh, you know, the first round when, you know, KD was going off. You got the players, you know, man, defensive player of the year. He can't step up and guard that. And you got the players kind of snickering. All type of stuff. <laughs> right. And then, and then yesterday, that, this was kind of, this was like kind of beyond, I was like beyond the realm of like, all right, come on, we getting silly now. Uh, Spencer Dimwitty with the, you know, the Marvel, you know, what if, what if Giannis had to sit because he got COVID and Middleton won game six? Does Middleton get the finals MVP? And then CJ McCollum talking about, you know, who's, you know, throwing shots at Giannis on, on a couple of occasions, you know, via Twitter, you know, veiled shots saying, you know, how many votes is Middleton getting for finals MVP? And we like, dude, Giannis is doing something that's never been done statistically in the finals since 1955. The defensive rating for the Bucks is like 20 points, 15 to 20 points lower when Giannis is on the floor. It's like, it's, it's no way, you know, it, it should be damn near unanimous. I'm sure somebody will detract. It will. It, honestly, it will be unanimous because <laughs> the media, the, the media does. The one thing I will say is the media likes Giannis a okay, lot. Okay. So right. even though he has a lot of detractors who are, you know, ignorant, uh, the media does seem to at least rate Giannis fairly highly. Right. So, so I, I can't see a unanimous finals. End. How does that, I guess it's, it's it's not really a bother. Like, I guess it doesn't bother me. If someone kind of like, I was laughing at the two. I was like, like they, these guys are just reaching now because he's about to win a championship. So it's getting hectic. And I think a lot of guys are rooting for Chris Paul too. I think that's part of it. Um, mm. What I do want to push back is uh, – I don't. I think a lot of people pushing the, the the xenophobia. I'll let you speak on that after. Um, I, I I personally do not believe it's it's rooted in that. Um, I think it's just you know that James Harden video. I think a lot of guys feel that way about you know his lack of skill. Like that. That I, I think I don't think James Harden is alone in that video where he says, "I you know I wish I could be seven foot and just run and dunk all day." That's right. what I think it is. I mean, if you feel differently, that that, that that's fine. Um, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you say on that being is you know. You're, you're more well versed on these things than I am. So, where are you yeah, with kind you know, of the, the Giannis stuff about you know from his coworkers and other players and guys you know kind of getting these veiled shots off at him? You know, I, I I think I think it's a mix of a lot of all of it. Uh, I think you know okay. Giannis also doesn't hang out with a lot of those guys. Right. I mean, he turned down uh, space. He's turned down Space Jam. Remember, he's you know he's a Nike athlete like LeBron. He turned down Space Jam. Yeah, he's turned down a lot of uh, of time to build with these guys. So he does his own thing. So a lot of guys don't feel connection to him. Fine, that's fair. That's fair. Um, he's Giannis is super competitive. Uh, like you do say, they do have that hardened feeling of you know, oh, uh, if I was his size, I could do the same stuff too. Like you know, these guys have egos and irrational thoughts, but. With the xenophobia angle, um, yeah, man, I just it 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 it's 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 hints there okay. because you especially when you get a lot of foreign guys, you know, who play very well, they win their wars, and then you have guys come on and say, "Oh, I see what you're doing, NBA," as if these dudes winning these awards right aren't playing, having great seasons. Uh, you know, a lot of them don't get acknowledged. In, in the same manner as the uh, domestic players do. And obviously that makes sense, right? Because these guys who are domestic grew up in AAU, play, you know, AAU right, game. Right, absolutely, yep, I get that. So, so obviously there's a more personal connection uh, um, for, for, for that, correct? But uh, so, so that's understandable, right? Like, you know, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to like, you know, these guys, right? You don't have to like them. But when you get a certain type of when like you know if, like for Jokic and for Luca like a lot of guys respect Luca because of how he plays, uh, I wouldn't say they necessarily like him <laughs> per se. Um, I know how Luca can be as a player too on the course. I don't, I wouldn't I don't blame them. But it's like you know outside of Giannis, 
who really gets most of the snide remarks because he's actually accomplished things at a higher level than like Luca or Jokic, you know, a lot of those other guys get kind of like just ignored. You know what I mean? Like the Embiid's, the Jokic, the Lucas, the Siakams. You know what I mean? Like they just kind of, you know, they kind of just get like ignored. You know what I mean? They don't, you know, they don't get enough the recognition others would get. And uh, to me, that's not where it, it comes because, like I said, they haven't grown up. It's when you start being sassy. When you start getting these weird <laughs> comments, when you start, like, like disrespecting guys. Like somebody said, like somebody had a point, like, like before, yeah, some guys' games weren't always aesthetically as good as other people. But you respected what people did on a night-to-night basis. Right, exactly. The guy dominated every night. You couldn't hate. It was like, no, he's producing every single night. He's producing, so he's a great player. You know, whether I personally like it or not, he's he's playing well in this league. And that was always the baseline level of respect back in the day for for a lot of guys. If you produced, people respected you regardless of how it looked. You know, what I mean, that's how a lot of Euro guys started getting respect because they were producing. So it was like, okay, you know, they may be from Europe, but hey, these guys was balling. You know, right. Dirk is balling. You know, what I mean, I, I can't hate. You know what I mean? Like he's a ball, he's their quality. But for somewhere along the lines, um, now that these guys start getting more prominent in the league, start getting more accolades, you know, it's cost it's starting to cause friction, especially when it's everything's media driven. Uh, a lot of agendas play into the role. Uh, when you're outside of the in group there's always that part of it that plays a role. And you can see in some of the commentary that these people have. How prominent it is, that's up for debate. Um, It's really up for debate, honestly. It varies, uh, definitely. I don't think there's an extensive xenophobic problem. I definitely see the uh, the remnants of it. Right. uh, Of of it. yeah, it's 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 I say is its presence, and people shouldn't sweep it under the rug. Um, it's, it'll be interesting to monitor. I don't think it's as widespread as some people are trying to make it out to be. I don't think it's as as bad as some are trying to paint it as. But I do definitely do think it's it's there and it's present for some of these guys for sure. Right, I got you. I just. Uh... Yeah, and like I said, you're, you're completely fine. I just more so, I think, God, we're, we're, we become slave to aesthetics, you know, between, you know, ball don't stop, you know, with filet. Oh, man, he's you know the saying? worst, it's, it's just very, You know, everything's got to be, you know, you know, tween, tween, dribble, 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 you know, contested fadeaway jumper. And then, you know, Giannis is more of a, you know, I'm getting to the chicken type player. I'm going to get you on my hip. You know, I'm going to make this one move to get you off balance. And yeah. then I'm going to finish. Uh, I was just thinking, thinking about Giannis. I think you know, Shaq for his through his prime was you know mid seventies at the rim. Brian at his prime, you know, mid seventies, you know, finishing at the rim. Giannis was 84 percent at the rim this year, bro. Like that is just unreal. The yeah, touch and the strength to to finish right. So let me just have to give more respect to. He's really just an all-timer, and I think he made a great point. I asked the question. I was like, Giannis puts this championship as this, you know, to this run to his resume. How do we start to rank him all-time? I think your response was good. He's like, you should probably just wait until he's done with <laughs> but, but his career is over. But I will say this. That resume at age 26, if you've yeah. gone down everything he's accomplished, it's absolutely insane. Uh, he's He's – He's, a, he's he's touched almost everything there is to touch. That's what I'm saying. It's just absolutely like, like, I think he only played one. He played one time in the Olympics, right? Just once? Yeah. Yeah, like, he hasn't done Olympic gold or, like, you know, he, the rookie of the year. So yeah, stuff like doesn't, that doesn't yeah. have rookie of the year to go. But be talking about a guy continuously making all-NBA, back-to-back MVPs, defensive player of the year. It's it's They're now going to add it possibly, you know, if he finishes adding a championship and a Finals MVP on top of all that, man. You start reading the, the like you start reading that basketball reference page, it gets kind of silly for a twenty six year old. And I have to go back in NBA history. What can you think of a guy at age twenty six 
with that resume. I, I think Duncan is probably the closest as far as you add the team success to it. You know, LeBron won his first chip at 28, right? Was it 28? Yeah, yeah, 20s, 20, 28, I think yeah, 27. 28. You know, I think I believe Jordan was 29, 29, 28 as well. I so, think Jordan might have been 27. Yeah, right. Oh, he's he 27. Yeah, right. I, I, yeah, right. 27. He took the year and a half off. You're right. You're right. Yeah. My, my fault. So when you talk about just 26 year olds, like what you've accomplished to that point from an individual and a team perspective, I, I want to say Duncan's the only guy who's kind of if you have anybody, please, you know, throw in there, correct me. Do you know anybody at age 26 with quite that level of resume? Shoot. Uh, Kareem probably would be the only okay, one. Yeah, okay, you got it, Kareem. Okay. That, you know, that's, Kareem, that's he probably job. was the, probably the only one. But I don't think he had DPOY, but he had defensive teams and offensive right, teams. Right. Um, maybe I think Wilt probably was the only one because he you won know what? You know what? You know what? Magic. I forgot. Magic. And obviously, Magic. <laughs> Was another one, but I mean, you see the type of guys we're right. naming at this point. You know what I mean? At least, you know what I mean. <laughs> for for the type of trajectory that puts Giannis on, you know, you kind right. of just gave it away at that point. Right. I think that maybe you know he's only twenty six. I think that maybe you know even if for it's for a brief time as he goes into his late twenties, early thirties, that may be end up being the guy that who's that bridge between you know, LeBron and, you know, the Luka, Zion, you know, Tatum here. He may be the bridge, you know what I'm saying, that that, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I I could see him and, you know, A.D. battling a lot. You know? Right, it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they they both, you know, this Josh wins. The, you know, the argument that we have every single year. <laughs> right. right. Or every single week since the, the Lakers win the chip, it's going to be even more heightened up now that um, Josh wins. I, I honestly think – in my mind, I think Giannis winning this chip. I maybe this is just wishful thinking. I think this will spark a, a, a fire in the AD to really seek some some accolades. Right. You know what I mean, to seek some regular to know that his peer has a chip. He has the Finals MVP. He has the MVP. You know, if AD is is wants to be that type of guy, Giannis will have to light a fire in the AD. To, right. to, to, to be there. Just my two cents on that whole thing. I thought it was a sleek discussion. Most of the guys are incredible players. going to be first, first ballot Hall of Famers. Uh, if I was starting a team, I'd lean Giannis. If I was building around somebody else, I'd probably choose AD because he's a better complimentary piece. That, that was just my, right. quick, my quick two cents. Uh, a lot of it has to do with, unfortunately, just the, the durability, durability angle. I think Giannis is damn near. I think LeBron's the closest thing we we saw to indestructible. Giannis isn't that far behind, so that's kind of where I am. Just having a guy out there for eighty games a year, I just you know it's hard to turn away from that. And I don't know if you can really get that from AD year to year out. Hopefully, with this extended break, he can bring that next season and you know reestablish himself amongst the NBA elite. You know how it is year to year. You know you always updating your resume in the league. Yeah, especially especially when you're battling your peers, you know. Exactly, I mean, was, exactly, exactly. This is how it's always been, though. I mean, there was times where you know Magic started off hot, but then Bird took over for like oh three, yeah, four that's, years. that's a so, great analogy. Know, Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. You no, know, so it, it's always been that way in, in the NBA. You know what I mean? Like it's always tra- it's always been trade offs. You know, Duncan came in, he asserted himself for a year or two, and then Shaq went on a dominant run, and then after Shaq went on his run, then Kobe came along. You know, then when Kobe came, you know, Braun came and was on Braun and Kobe off. Then when Braun started winning, you know, he he asserted he himself as the best. And then uh, Steph challenged that. Right, exactly. You know, tried to challenge that for a year. So, you know what I mean? It's, then you obviously have the KD Warriors thrown into the mix. Um, you know what I mean? It's it's always, I think, a guy – there's always challenges to the best. You know, it's, I don't think it's set in stone. I think there's errors defined by players. You know what I mean? Um, you know, obviously Jordan retired in 94, 95, but the best player in the world in 94, 95 was Akeem Olajuwon. Absolutely. Just, Absolutely. He had to get back into shape and take that crown from him in 96 to 98. So, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's like in basketball, you always have to show yourself, but errors get defined by key players. So I think people need to stop being like, well, this guy was the best player from this year to this year. It's not definitive. Right, but you can say I was the best player in this stretch. Right, that's that's, that's I think 
the points right. you can make. That's a great point. Now, before we get out of here, uh, we touched on this on a, a couple shows ago regarding, you know, Damian Lillard. Uh, there were some premature reports being leaked from uh, verified accounts saying he had submitted his trade request or planned to to Portland. Dame had a press conference and nothing about it was reassuring. A, he didn't say he was staying. He said, I haven't made my decision yet. Uh, B, he pretty much, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not going to give, say, throw one to the bus. I think he just gave an honest assessment of where Portland was. He's like, you can't look at this roster and say we're a championship team. You know, people take it the wrong way, said he made his teammates look bad. And I was like, you know, that, that's the nature of this beast at that point. Maybe you don't want to say it publicly possible right. to have that conversation with management, but it's not too reassuring. Uh, allegedly the teams he was interested in would be the Knicks, the Warriors, the Miami Heat. What was the fourth team? And they said the Lakers. Obviously. And the Lakers. And the Lakers, right. That was the, that was the four teams allegedly that he would, you know, prefer to be uh, traded to. Uh, just before, you know, Dame is also playing in the Olympics, getting ready to go to Tokyo. So we'll see how it goes. You know, free agency is coming quick this year. We got another, you know, condensed offseason, right? So right. free agency will be here sooner rather than later. How are you feeling about Dame? My personal before I think he may give Portland one more year. You know, he is 31. So I think he might give him the one more year and then say, you know what? It's been real, but I need that KG uh Stimmy pack. Just send me to a contender, let them reimburse you as much as they can. <laughs> And let me try to go win a championship. So where are you with, you know, where, where do you think Dame is leaning at this point based on, you know, the reports in the press conference again? I wasn't too reassuring for Portland. Uh, yeah, I, shoot. I think that Nick's situation is very, very big. And I think <laughs> that with the free agencies in 2022, I do think it's a situation where you did say, like where you said he, he'll probably wait a year, uh, give the – quote unquote give the Blazers a chance right but really it's just 2022 is a big year of uh, a free agency it's a big year free agency and the Knicks are going to have cap space you know what I mean they're, they're going to have um, they're going to have cap space they're going to have uh, the uh, trade pieces to trade for them so I really do think that they'll wait he'll wait the year uh I feel like it's kind of early, but I think he's planting the seeds. Right. My thing is where I'm leaning towards, he might just give him one more year. What avenue do you see for Portland to severely improve their roster? Somebody put it on their list of draft picks. They just haven't hit on really anybody. You got, you have to hit on a few draft picks at some point, but since they've given Dame the keys, you know, Aside from C.J. McCollum, there's just been a lot of revolving doors around the roster and been tough to, you know, add guys around them. They just haven't hit on – they just haven't scouted well. So how do they even approve the roster to get them to a point where Dane was comfortable saying, I'm going to commit these next three years to not request a trade? Like, what do you see? Because I, I don't see it. They have to get a star or a superstar. That's what I'm saying. Like, what, what's the avenue to get that, Right. Like C.J. McCollum uh, and Anthony Simons, what does that really net you? If they have to just hope get Ben Simmons and pray. That's like their best chance. <laughs> that's really just their best chance. You know what I mean? So just, they just have to get Ben Simmons and pray, man. If they can't do that, it's not much. It's not much for them out there, man. It's just not much for them. My thing was after the. Uh, I said this after 2019, go back and check. I said that was a fool's goal Western Conference Finals run. They need to cash in on CJ right now. His value is at its absolute highest after what he did against Denver in that series. The volume, the, his value is never going to be higher than that. You can cash in for a true difference maker and build a more balanced roster that doesn't have two small guards in the backcourt. You know, they didn't. They went in. After that year, it's been two unceremonious first-round exits. Uh, this one was kind of embarrassing to me because you got a team starting Compazzo and Austin Rivers, who was out the league for a minute. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and, and they lose a six to that team. You know, Dane played great offensively, a 55 point game. You know, guys stepping out of bounds, they can't get a stop. 
right? So, man, I just I, I don't see an avenue for them to really get better. And I think it just, you know, I think there might just be delaying the inevitable at that point. I think now you could probably get more for Dane because he's under contract for four more years. So the, the Supermax hasn't kicked in yet, right? So you can get more because whatever team trades for him, you know, they have him for four years. So I think you can, you know, with each passing year between his age and just, you know, less years in the deal, you know, the hall may not be, you know, what you want it to be. So, yeah, I mean, definitely for Portland, if you're trying to trade and get the highest return from Dane, now would be the best chance to do right. that. Uh, if you're if you're important, if you're looking at from Portland perspective, now is the best time to trade Dane. Maybe. Um, Dane may for Dane trying to get to a, t- a place where he wants to go with better flexibility, uh, his best chance might be waiting for a year. So you know, right. it's one. It's going to be one of those things. I think for Portland, I think the seeds have already been planted. They, I think they for that. In their best interest, they need to move on. Like, that's just what it comes down to. I think we're kind of on the same page there. All right, we just wanted to touch on that before we got out of here. Make sure you follow It's Kings Bro on Twitter. Myself as well, JJ Maples 55 underscore MST. Please, we appreciate you guys. Keep, you know, rating the uh, pod on Spotify and Apple. Um, The reviews, we appreciate you. Even the couple hater ones was just fueled to the fire. <laughs> uh, hey man, make sure you don't stop. Me. Yeah, make sure you don't stop nothing over here. Uh, make don't sure you stop, man. Timeline. You want to hear us talk about something? Feel free to you know ask Kings and myself, or you want to reach out to somebody, try to have somebody on. You know, reach out to Kings and myself. We have no problem. You know, taking feedback and suggestions from guys who tap in with us every week. We appreciate you guys. Um, we might be coming back midweek. If the finals are over, so yes, sir. You never know. Uh, we're out of here. Peace, y'all.